when did you decipher? At exactly 0400. Let's have it. It's just three words. I didn't ask for a word count. Give me the message. You won't believe it. We've checked and double-checked. It keeps coming up the same thing. Colonel, the message is, Mars needs women. From Chicago, this is The Unenthusiastic Critic, a podcast about destroying your marriage one movie at a time. and welcome to The Unenthusiastic Critic. I'm Michael McDonough. I write about film and television at unaffiliatedcritic.com. With me today, because it's better than goofy golf, is my lovely wife, Nakia, also known as The Unenthusiastic Critic. Hello. How are you today, dear? I'm fine. <laughs> On today's episode, Nakia and I are sitting down for her first viewing of Steven Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind from 1977. Nakia, how have you never seen Close Encounters? I just haven't. It's been quite easy, actually. <laughs> How have you avoided it? It Again, don't even recall actively doing it, just has you, not... You didn't have to go out of your way or nope. anything to not see it? Okay, no. interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, if anything, do you know about it? I know it's about contacting aliens, and there's like a musical number sort of thing. <laughs> um, that's about it. A song and dance? Uh, I, there's like a, you know, a back and forth DJ session between <laughs> Earth and the aliens. Okay, that's pretty accurate, sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I think a few episodes ago, we talked a little bit about aliens as Mm -hmm. part of our whole horror genre conversation, but let's get into that a little bit this week. Mm -hmm. Do you believe in aliens? I believe that we can't possibly know everything about the universe, so the possibility of alien life forms is, sure, high, I think. (laughs) I mean, I, I think it's probable that there is life out there yes. somewhere. Yes. It's a pretty big universe yes. for just us, mm-hmm. especially since we seem to be really slow about getting out there exploring it. But the real question is, do you actually believe that they have visited us? So here's where I get caught up. Okay. I don't find us that interesting. <laughs> So, and this is, you know, my sort of pop culture osmosis is is the understanding of aliens is that they are advanced life forms. So why would they be interested in us? Well, I just pure scientific observation, maybe. I mean, sure. People have ant farms. Ants aren't that interesting either. I don't understand that. I don't understand the ant thing. I don't understand seahorses. I don't understand a lot of the things that we we have as pets. I mean, I suppose, sure, if they, like visiting a zoo, maybe. They could come and sure. check like us out. Like a petting zoo? Yeah. Um, okay. But I don't, yeah, I don't imagine they could glean much from us. Unless you want to get into the, like, oh, we teach them how to love bullshit, but we don't even know how to love ourselves. Well, okay, so I guess that then is a follow-up question. Mm-hmm. If they were to come, or if they have come, mm-hmm. is it with the universal message of peace and harmony? <laughs> I or... give you peace! <laughs> or is it all, you know, cattle mutilations and rectal probes? Um, so this probably depends on what year you ask me. What year? Okay. So if you're asking me in 2019, I'm sort of hoping it's cattle prods and just... (laughs) We deserve. Um, if you had asked me, you know... During the Obama years? Well, and not, no, because that wasn't even... Okay, it was... uh, It had its problems. Right. (laughs) But, um, my view of humanity was a little bit rosier. And see, well, 
And this is the thing. So do you remember there was a, an article that came out maybe last year, two years ago, and I can't even remember what company it was, but they had created this robot that could like walk around. And I want to say I, it was in like Philadelphia I or do, Boston. It was like a hitchhiking robot. Yeah, it was like robot, right? That. And then people like beat it up and kicked <laughs> yeah. it and treated it. <laughs> so yeah. if they are here to teach us love, we're not going to receive that. And we're not, <laughs> we're, we will not be worthy of that. Because we can't even, like, deal with a robot benignly just sort of walking around and just trying to, like, have an experience of humanity. So... Well, I mean, they tried to dissect E.T. too, didn't they? They did. Well, that's what I'm saying. And so I was, you know, born in the early 80s. So I grew up on the E.T. alien, ALF, Mm -hmm. um, Mork and Mindy. (laughs) So these are, you know, very... That was not a good show, really. (laughs) I don't remember why Mork came to Earth. Uh, I don't remember what his mission was. I don't recall either. But I mean, he just hung out. So I'm Mm -hmm. assuming it was just to sort of be amongst humanity. I think he, because he didn't, I think each episode ended with him reporting Reporting back. back. Yes. Right, on what he had learned. But I can't remember if it was reporting back of, like, this is why humanity deserves to live. I can't remember if there was, like, a, we're going to oh, go up Earth know, and you need to <laughs> was prove. Was a dark, a <laughs> dark remission? Remember. That's like... what I don't remember. Like, he, he was sort of validating the existence of humanity in So Earth. if Mork had a bad day, he might have exactly. just been, like, like, blow it all. Nuke it. <laughs> nuke it from orbit. It's the only way to be sure. <laughs> I feel like there was another alien that did that. That was, like, making the case. With Third Rock, were they doing that? Were they reporting back on Third Rock? I don't remember. I don't the, remember I, if they I were reporting back. I didn't watch much back. of that. Show. I think they were. I think they were reporting back. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So, it's this idea of, you know, the humanity-loving, child-friendly sort of alien that's basically a pet. But then you have signs and alien and... <laughs> yeah. So, y- you and I have watched, for the unenthusiastic critic, a few alien-related mm-hmm. films, mm-hmm. including, back when it was a blog, Alien mm-hmm. and Aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also watched The Thing back then, which is another... That fucked us up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And recently we watched A Quiet Place. Yes. And partially because we did all of those movies as part of your annual October Mm -hmm. horror movie ordeal, uh, in none of those movies does the encounter between Earthlings and aliens go well. No. The only movie we've watched... For this project that has a slightly more optimistic twist on the the first contact story mm-hmm. is 2001. Mm. But even there... Is it? Well, I mean, I, again, the ending's sort of ambiguous. Right. He kind of <laughs> evolved into a star child. Yeah, that's okay. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of... I think they kept him in a zoo for I a while. I believe so, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Better? Yeah. I guess. Sure. Still questionable. And I think your response of, depends what year you ask me, mm-hmm. I think that's probably how these stories go. I mean, I think it's like, and I haven't done a lot of deep thinking on this, but I think it's probably like zombie movies or any other genre mm-hmm. in that every era gets... It's alien. The alien movies that reflect its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely the heyday of alien movies, the 1950s, it was all Cold War right, stuff, right. Cold War metaphors. And again, I haven't thought all this mm-hmm. through, but I suspect that's the case. I don't know what kind of aliens we would get now. They wouldn't make it past the border. 
There have been a number of movies like that. There have mm-hmm. been a number of aliens as immigration mm-hmm. stories. Uh, District 9 a few years ago was like that. There was a movie in the 80s called Alien Nation. Oh, shit. Was that a TV show? I think they did make a they TV show. They were like show. turtles. Yes. They sort of looked a little... And it, and it was a, <laughs> I it was a buddy cop. That. It was a buddy yes. cop story where one of them was an alien. I totally remember watching that at my grandma's house. Yes. That was weird. <laughs> It was that and um, the Beauty and the Beast with um, oh. <laughs> was that Linda with Hamilton? Hamilton? Yeah, it was. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> Those are classics. You watched a lot of stuff at your grandma's house. I did house. watch. I mean, we watched so it's like that and then um, what's the scary one that the, where the theme song freaked me out? Talk about aliens. Do 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 do. Unsolved mysteries. Unsolved mysteries. Were some of the unsolved mysteries about they aliens? Have been, they may have been alien related. Yeah. Some of them, but I yeah, think that, that might have been an X Files so inspired thing. That yeah. theme song just cre- it still sends chills up my spine. <laughs> but yeah, and then we had Independence Day, which was very much sort of right. our first encounter. A very sort I'm, of jingoist response to an alien sort of invasion of just like, oh, America's going to rise up and kick the alien's ass. And Well, they came down to start some shit, as Will Smith says. You know, again, <laughs> 2019 me is like, you know, we tried. I mean, this is my thing, is that I, I feel like our own history teaches us that there is no version of the story in which a technologically superior race Mm -hmm. comes down to visit a technologically inferior race and it's good for the technologically inferior race i feel like there are no versions of that story that end happily well alf was happy (laughs) i'm I'm talking real life history oh history (laughs) (laughs) uh no because humans are inherent (laughs) see this is i'm I just go to a dark place. I'm just like, humans are inherently tribalist and paranoid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we would ever receive any sort of quote unquote gifts from an alien life. Like we just wouldn't. Well, I'm not. I mean, that may be true too. And I think, I think that is fair. I think there's a lot of these stories where the alien is benign mm-hmm. or even helpful, mm-hmm. sweet, cute, and the story is about people trying to kill it or mm-hmm. dissect it or exploit it. I mean, I, even Alf wasn't Alf sort of like that. Wasn't there like government agents? I think searching there may for have Alf been government agents searching for Alf. They yes. were searching for ET, mm-hmm. um, Starman. Do you ever see Starman? <laughs> With the dude. The dude, yes, the, the dude very is young an alien dude. in Starman. Mm-hmm. But the government's chasing him in that. Like, that's always the story. Yes. And then you have, I think, one of my favorite first contact stories Attack the Block. Well, those fuckers. <laughs> the aliens land and the kids find one. Oh, that's right, but they, like, kill killed it. it. That's why they were. Yeah, that's right. Beat they didn't... it to death and then try to sell it on eBay. That's right, I forgot. That seems a very plausible We were the aggressors in that me. scenario. I always remember the aliens as being like, well, they were super aggressive. It was like, oh, but that's well, they because were, we. Were... No, they were scary, the aliens. But that's because that, we yeah. bashed in their, like, their mate. I think it was the yeah, female. It was, we, yeah. They killed the female. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Then, yeah, so that was us. Yeah, so see, we're just assholes and we would not. But what I started to say is my fear is that the aliens are like us. Mm. Then we're in trouble. Then they're the colonialists Mm. coming to, and we are the indigenous population, and we're just going to get fucked in that scenario. But see, and this is the thing, again, where it's like, depends on what year you're asking. In 2019, what is the earth actually worth at this point? (laughs) The water shit, the air shit, the, the soil shit. So you're saying we don't have anything they want. I'm saying, you know, when the pilgrims came here and committed genocide against uh-huh. the native peoples, there was bounty. Well, OK, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. These are aliens. We don't know what bounty looks like to them. 
Maybe they need table salt or, you know, maybe they need tungsten. I don't know what they need, but Mm -hmm. we might have a lot of it. Mm -hmm. They're going to come. Okay, sure. Otherwise, I really don't think we're worth very much at all. We wouldn't be worth the trouble. I feel like you're just in a very cynical place right now. I've been in a cynical place for a number of years. (laughs) 30-some-odd years. More cute recently in the past, (laughs) God, four fucking years. (laughs) So, you know, it's where I am at the moment. All right. Well, do do you have some favorite alien movies, at least, can we talk about? And I think we are specifically talking about movies in which ordinary Earth humans encounter aliens. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about, like, you know, Star Wars is full of aliens, but basically they're all aliens in Star Wars. It's... We're talking about, like, first contact stories. Actually, I know you hate signs, but I liked signs until the aliens actually showed up. When we saw them on the screen. Yeah, which is about 20 minutes into the movie. No, it takes a while before you see them. (laughs) And it's when I see them, it's like, they're just disappointing to look at. They're guys in rubber suits. Yeah, it wasn't great. But the movie, I I don't think the movie's actually that bad. I know you have feelings about M. Night Shyamalan. It it doesn't matter. We don't need to get into that. What other... I mean, E.T. is just... It breaks my heart every time I watch it, and it will always have, you know, a special place in my heart. I'll be right here. <laughs> that was terrible, terrible E.T. That was a E.T. horrible E.T. Um, I, you got one? Uh, no, I, oh, God, no. I don't have an E.T. I'm not going to do it because you make fun of all of my accents. But I like to. No, not doing it. But no, I mean, like stuff like Iron Giant and Super 8, again, are those types of films that sort of show humanity's sort of inability to even try to understand something that's foreign or different or our, our tendency to just be exploitative. We're not, we're not ready. We're not. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Iron, again, Iron Dine is one of those that I, I will cry every single time. It's like, just let the dude go home. Like, stop being a dick. And same with Super 8. Have I seen any other ones? Powder wasn't an alien, was he? You always bring up Powder. <laughs> I do not believe Powder. I don't know what. Was he just an albino? I don't know what powder was. But I think he had some... Like, I don't, I'm not 100% sure I've seen that movie. <laughs> may just be that you find a way to bring it up in every conversation we have. There's the one with Bowie. Right, Man Who Fell to Earth. Man Who Fell to Earth, who, which I love just because it's Bowie and he's beautiful mm-hmm. in it. Um, the Faculty is... Oh my God. That's another just classic. Um, <laughs> classic. It's a classic. And again, Air I'm like quotes, struggling classic. to remember why they came to Earth. And I can't. I think they were just looking to like repopulate Earth for some reason. It may have had something to do with water. They had to drink a lot of water. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's Josh Hartnett, who's like the dope head kid at school. And what's the dude's name? Elijah Wood as the sort of nerdy guy who figures out before everybody else that something's gone wrong. Some hikes in yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm remembering now. John that, Stewart's in it. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's an outtake on the back of our, I think it must be our Lord of the Rings episode. Oh, God. That was terrible. Because I think it was the Elijah Wood connection that sent you off into like a 20-minute digression (laughs) about how much you love the faculty. So I'm just going to direct listeners there at this point. It's brilliant. I highly recommend it. (laughs) I remember it had nothing to do with whatever we were talking about. Because Lord of the Rings was boring, so I'd rather talk about the faculty. The faculty. Mm -hmm. Okay. Contact? Have you seen Contact with Jodie Foster? No? Okay. Ooh, Little Shop of Horrors. That's a good one. I don't even think of that as an alien for some he's, reason. He's an he's a, I know he's an alien, but I don't even... He's a lean green monster from outer space. I just see him as a plant. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Under the Skin a few years ago? Yes! With Scarlett Johansson? Yeah! So I have soured on her, but... Oh, yes. Uh, 
<laughs> but I actually did think that that was a really interesting. That was a very movie. creepy movie, and it was just it was actually it was really beautiful. I think that was one of the best. What would it really be like mm-hmm. if an alien came to Earth? Mm-hmm. Movies because it was so strange, and her perception of the world was so different. Yeah, and wasn't she just like sucking the life out of men? Uh, something like that. So yes. I'm pro that. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Which there are a lot of those movies. There's a there. There's a whole aliens having sex with humans mm-hmm. thing that sometimes can go well. In for example, Starman and. Uh, I had cocoon. cocoon. We hit that theme. Uh, have you seen Earth Girls Are Easy? I have seen Earth Girls Are Easy. That's a weird <laughs> ass movie. With what is that? Jeff Goldblum, Goldblum, Jim Carrey, one of the weigh-ins, and one of the weigh-ins might be Damon, maybe furry aliens, but they can look human. And yeah, they basically just come down to party, right? And they she like shaves them or something, and then they're just like quote unquote Gina Davis hot dudes. And downtown Julie Brown. Oh God, was that Downtown Julie Brown? Yeah. Oh wow. I think she wrote that. Seriously? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, my favorite alien sex, and this is alien and alien sex. It's not alien human sex. This is alien on alien this sex. This is alien okay. on alien sex. You know what it is. Oh, God. No, really? <laughs> There's something very wrong with you. Go ahead. Oh, fuck. What the name, what's the name of it? Sleepwalkers. Sleepwalkers. Fucking brilliant. <laughs> One of the five movies on the planet that you actually like, mm-hmm. four of which, including that, nobody has seen. Nobody else in the world Fuck you, has seen. people have seen Sleepwalkers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, it's, it's a Stephen King It's a pretty film. obscure, low-budget, not very good Stephen King. <laughs> and that's a low bar. We're talking Stephen King movies. Most of them are pretty bad. And then that is no. really low Disagree. down. On the scale. Strong And again, disagree. you just have an inexplicable love for it. Strong. For some reason. Disagree. I don't think I remembered that they were aliens. They were aliens. I think I'm pretty sure they're they aliens. They were like cat people. They were like who cat were people afraid of cats who were afraid of cats. I don't know what that was yes, about. Yes, and they needed to like suck the life force they out were of mother and son. Virgin. But they were also well, doing but they it. were not really though. That was their <laughs> Earth cover, but they were you know sexual partners in their mm-hmm. true alien form. I don't know why you can't get into this movie. <laughs> it's such a good movie. <laughs> That was uh, that was Alice Krieg playing the mother in that, mm-hmm. who also played the Borg Queen in Star Trek. I don't know what it is about that. There's something about the hot alien mother. They're like, let's get Alice Krieg to do See? that. That's what I'm saying. They recognize. <laughs> game recognize game. Uh, species. Have you seen Species? I did not see any of the Species. Um, that's another hot, blonde, mm-hmm. sexy alien who sucks the life out. I don't remember. Would you like to have sex with an alien, a hot, blonde alien? No, I think I think that's how it would go, is that... Well, yeah, you're definitely going to die. But the yeah. point is that it would be worth it. Like, that would be the best sex you've ever had in your life, and then you'd die. I'm regular, I'm regular sex is pretty good. <laughs> I don't need to, like... <laughs> Have such great sex and then have an alien probe. See, see, you don't. Yeah, I think you don't know what you're missing. I think that that's that's like ultimate orgasm right there. (laughs) Yeah, I'm okay with no. I'm okay with missing out on that. The best part is where you know you close your eyes on the hot blonde and then you open your eyes and it's a fucking lizard thing (laughs) and it's just it's awesome. Are you a fan of the Men in Black movies? 
I do like the Men in Black movies. Okay. I like those because those are just like aliens are on Earth and they're just like trying to have a job. Like I'm working at a pawn shop or I'm at a newsstand. And I'm just and it, again, it gets to that sort of that's very much the sort of immigration right. sort of story, right? right. Just Men like, in Black is basically INS. Exactly. Like they ICE. have papers, and you know, if they overstay their visas, there's a problem. And so, I actually do really like the well. Doesn't the first movie start out with them smuggling aliens over the yes. border from Mexico? Yes. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. So at least the first two. I haven't seen... I think that's all I've seen, too. Yeah, so I can't speak to the entire series, but... I actually think that movie uh, establishes that Steven Spielberg is an alien, doesn't it? Men in Black? I, that sounds really familiar. I think there's a whole thing of which celebrities are... That's right. ...really alien. Yes. I think Oprah and Steven Spielberg and a bunch of people are, are actually aliens, which sort of makes sense. <laughs> For one thing, I didn't believe it was science fiction. I didn't coin this, but I I was liberally saying, this isn't science fiction, this is science speculation. Because I had a real deep-rooted belief that we had been visited. And in this century, I was a real sort of UFO devotee in the 1970s and was really into the whole UFO phenomenon from everything I was reading. So it was something for me that was science. This is a flying saucer. That's what I saw. Now, I've revised my thinking as I grew up, got a little bit older, and began to understand that with all the video cameras in the world today, why have UFO sightings diminished? Now, with all those shutters clicking, where is the indisputable photographic evidence? When before the camcorder craze, UFO sightings were flourishing. And so I'm a little more skeptical now than I was in the 70s when I made the picture. All right, well, let's, let's transition into talking about this movie. So, written and directed by Steven Spielberg. This is his third feature, and the first movie he made after Jaws became the biggest hit in the world. Mm -hmm. And Close Encounters is actually still the only film on which he is sole writer-director. So, this is all him. This is a very personal project to him. Okay. And this is the optimistic view of Aliens, I think, like E.T. is. I think he's coming from that perspective. Mm-hmm. He did make the other kind. He, I think in 2005, he made his remake of War of the Worlds, which is the less optimistic view of what happens when the aliens come. Mm-hmm. But this is the happier version. Apparently, it is in some ways a remake of a film he made when he was 17 years old. He was just talking about Super 8, which was, that was a Spielberg production. Yeah. He didn't direct it, but his influence was all over mm-hmm. that. And those kids were doing what he did, basically. Mm-hmm. In 1964, when he was 17, he made a feature-length film called Firelight. That was his first feature-length movie about scientists investigating UFOs. It had a budget of $500, and he said he screened it for about 500 people, who each paid a dollar, and he said he ended up with $501. He thinks somebody paid twice. <laughs> so that was his first profit. He made a dollar on that movie. Uh, Sadly, that film is apparently lost to posterity. Mm. It's a couple of minutes that still exist, but otherwise it's gone. But he has said that there are sequences in Close Encounters that are shot-for-shot remakes of stuff he did in Firelight. This had a little more money. This was a $20 million movie, which was a lot at the time. I think he originally pitched it as like a $3 million movie. (laughs) But he said he knew then he was lying. He knew it was going to be much more expensive than that. Aliens are costly. Mm -hmm. But obviously it it still made money. It made about $135 million domestic and $306 million worldwide. 
It was nominated for nine Oscars, winning trophies for Vilmos Zygmunt's cinematography and Frank Warner's sound effects. It was also nominated for art direction, sound, editing, visual effects, music, best supporting actress for Melinda Dillon, and best director for Steven Spielberg. So let's talk about the stars. Melinda Dillon, who I said was nominated for this, you will recognize as the mother from A Christmas Story. <laughs> okay. Uh, Richard Dreyfus is the star mm-hmm. of this movie. I don't know what your Richard Dreyfus experience is. Um, Jaws. Okay. Mr. Holland's Opus. <laughs> See, why have you seen Mr. Holland's Opus? <laughs> Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. His Why is... do you remember that much of Mr. Holland's <laughs> Beautiful boy. I don't even remember that movie. His son You're doing was deaf. hand gestures. Because his son was deaf, and so he was signing to his son the song that he had, like, written for him. And it was all, it was really, because he was a composer, and so his whole world was music, but his son was deaf, and they needed to, like, find a way to connect. Like, you've never seen Close Encounters, but you yeah. have Mr. Holland's opus by heart. I, well, just parts of it. It's just so weird. Song. It's just random. Um, That stupid movie you made me watch American Graffiti. We did not watch American Do we watch parts a- of American Graffiti? No. Why have I? I have no idea. Okay. I mean, we, flipping channels, we might have seen a Maybe. few seconds of. That's still on our list. We and will then, watch um, that. Oh, um, Dead Body. Stand by me. <laughs> <laughs> Dead Body. It's like Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> what are we talking about? I don't believe he was in Weekend at Bernie's. So you go Dead Body and you think, okay, what movies has Richard Dreyfus been in that had a dead body as like the uh, key component of the film? I forgot, he was, I forgot he was in Stand By Me. He's You're right. The he's, the, he's the adult. Yes. Yeah. Will, Will Wheaton. Yes. <laughs> so off the top of my head, that's the Dreyfus that I know. Okay. And uh, Terry Garr is in this, who we discussed when we talked about Tootsie. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I don't have a lot to say about this before we watch it. It's best that we just go watch it. What, okay. are, you, what are you expecting from Close Encounters? Not a whole lot, but, you know. Again, I have... You generally like Spielberg movies, I generally think. Generally do like Spielberg, yes. Okay. Yes. I have deep respect for Spielberg, but yeah, I don't... Again, it's it has not been something that I have needed to see in, you know, my over 30 years of life, so... <laughs> well, let's just go watch it then. Okay. Indianapolis, Aries 31 has traffic 2 o'clock, slightly above... Can you say aircraft type? Uh, negative center, uh, no distinct outline. Tell you the truth, the target is rather brilliant. Wait a second, he's heading right for my windshield. The traffic is approaching head on. Alter right, and really moving. And right by us, right now. That was really close. 31, do you wish to file a report of any kind of it? A... I wouldn't know what kind of report to file, center. do you want i just want to know that it's it's really happening we recently had a close encounter close encounter with something very unusual who are you people Damn it, I know this. I know what this is. This means something. 
What did you expect to find? An answer. And we're back. During the break, Nakia and I watched Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Nakia, what did you make of this Spielberg classic? Um... That's never a promising (laughs) start. (laughs) It was, I mean, it's Spielberg, so it was well done. I think I took a more cynical (laughs) view of it. This is not a cynical movie. It's not. It's very optimistic and uh, is very much in the Spielberg tradition of like seeing the world through childlike wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing, uh, one thing among many things that Spielberg is very good at is using the close-up shot of faces and reaction shots of people mm-hmm. to sort of engender magic and wonder. and wonder. Yes, so he, that is used to great effect here. But I, I actually just read something about how he got that look on the face of the little kid that he had like a clown and a gorilla standing off screen <laughs> like behind a curtain and would like lower the curtain on the, you know, and the kid's face would light up when he saw them. See, that I think was, lighting up in terror. Yeah, that, that's horror think, yeah. for me. That's <laughs> less magic and that's more horror. But OK. But yeah, so totally give it that. Absolutely. I'm hearing a but coming. And. Oh, not a but, but an and. This is what I'm learning in my uh, training is like not butts, but ands. Uh-huh. Um, the child of this of single parenthood in me is <laughs> angry yeah. at this film. And I think it should possibly be called Close Encounters of Childhood Trauma. <laughs> because what I took away was the vision of a son losing all respect <laughs> for his father. The family dynamics in this movie are a problem. It was seeds planted for just lifetime of hate and bitterness. (laughs) Yeah, I actually had that same reaction this time. Mm -hmm. And I do think what we can call the the A plot, which is the aliens part, Mm -hmm. it is incredibly optimistic. Yes. And this is something a lot of people have talked about in talking about this movie. Pauline Kael in her review said, Close Encounters of the Third Kind is the most innocent of all technological Marvel movies and one of the most satisfying. The immense charm of Close Encounters comes from the fact that, for all its scale and expense, $19 million, this is a young man's movie, Spielberg is still under 30, and there's not a sour thought in it. And again, I think as far as the A-plot goes, that's true. There are no villains in this movie. Mm, to a certain extent. I, I mean, mean e- even the army well, and the government are not that bad in this they, movie. They faked a nerve gas explosion to yeah, evacuate a town. But I given mean, that's what we've come to expect from the government shady. in real life and the movies. Yes, that is true. They're not that bad. Mm-hmm. But I was stuck on that line in her review of not a sour thought in it. Because I think if we look at the, what we'll call the B-plot, the family mm-hmm. drama. It's very sour. There's there's some sourness it's there. It's very sour, yes. Ronnie? Yes? I'm really scared. I want you to help me. Oh, oh, oh this bullshit! It's turning its house upside down! 
upside down. Honey, just... I just hate you this way! Honey, run, no! Honey, run. Just hold no. me. Just put your arms around me. It'll really help me. It'll really help me. Please. Listen, listen, listen! Honey. Don't you see what's happening? None of our friends call us anymore. Honey. You're out of work. You don't Such care. A small... You're wrecking us! You're wrecking us! Okay, well, which of those things would you like to talk about first? Um, I don't, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about the A-plot. It's well done. I think I'm a little, again, I'm going to blame my reaction on this film much more about my just like withered cynicism than any lacking on the part of the film or Spielberg's vision. But in my mind, a military that would make up a nerve gas explosion or contamination would also not be behaving so sort of welcoming and benignly towards a potential Right, well, that's alien what I'm saying, invasion. yeah. <laughs> Those two things just don't make sense to me or are, are, are incompatible. The government in this film, they don't even kill the animals. No. They fake this big nerve gas explosion. And we're, again, we're talking about the end of the movie now. Yes. But they fake this big nerve gas, a train is derailed and released right. a deadly mm-hmm. nerve gas or something. So there's animals strewn all over the place. At some point they say they use sleep gas on the... So they didn't even kill the animals. No. That's how benign yeah. the government and the army are in yeah. this movie. It's very sweet. Is it? I disagree. So here's the problem with like this A-B plot okay. distinction. The A plot really doesn't manifest until like the last, what, half hour or so when we get to Devil's Tower. I mean, we have a few sightings There's before that. A few that, sightings, yes. but for the but most part. It is part, all building up to that. We are watching a man emotionally and mentally break down <laughs> and destroy his family. So you saw this as a film about a man just losing his shit. Yes. Okay. I yes. think that's fair. In the sort of um, pursuit of a dream, a better life whatever, and listeners of this podcast will be familiar with my feelings about the sort of trash-ass man <laughs> paradigm. It, it is, it's startling how many How often it comes up. So this is a trash-ass man <laughs> who is married to a woman who's depicted as fairly shrill, and I don't think she is, she's done generously considering all the shit she puts up with. Mm, I, think, I think you just described Terry Gar's career right there. And then three just terrible children. Um, <laughs> See, the, okay, all right. Let, so we're going to have to go through with it. Let's go through this, and let's approach it from the human drama. Let's, okay. let's approach it. Because mm-hmm. I do think, and I will say, you have not, You, I think you have hinted at this so far, you have not said it outright, possibly out of your respect for Spielberg. Mm-hmm. I will say, this is a slow-ass movie. It is slow. I got bored. Well, that's where I get movie. to this, like, this this idea of A, B plot. It's like, well, it was mostly the B plot of the family <laughs> and mm-hmm. his sort of breakdown, parallel with the woman and her son's story. Right. And then the last 30 minutes is the a plot of like okay now we're getting to this wonder and and part of this is just how we're coming to it now Mm -hmm. i mean in 1977 the first time i saw this i wasn't bored because it was just the special effects were fascinating Mm -hmm. the visuals were fascinating they are less they're still very good they're very good i mean they look good even for now, yeah. let alone for the time. Mm-hmm. But I don't get the same sense of wonder looking at them now that I did mm-hmm. when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. So now I sit there and I go, oh, that's really pretty. And then four minutes later, when we're lo- still looking at the lights whizzing around and stuff, I'm like, maybe, maybe we can move this along, yeah. Steve. Maybe yeah. we can just pick up the pace a little bit here. Mm-hmm. 
But that's why I'm thinking, like, is this actually a sci-fi film or is this a family drama with some sci-fi elements? I I have at least one other narrative to offer you. Okay. People have written about this as a religious movie. Okay. (laughs) Sure. In that this is Dreyfus coming to the Lord and... Sort of. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Except... He has visions and he's mm -hmm, he's going to the mountaintop to meet God? (laughs) Possibly... And this is, and here, we'll get to the family stuff. Mm-hmm. But I do think we, we need to talk a little bit about, this is a film of its generation. Mm-hmm. It is sort of new agey. Yeah. We get that kind of 70s mysticism, phony mysticism feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Writing in the Catholic journal Commonweal, the critic Colin Westerbeck saw Close Encounters as the epitome of new age mysticism made out of and for our touchy-feely culture. The culture of group therapy and group grope of AST, TM, and close encounter therapy. And... This is from an article by Jay Hoberman in the New York Times. He says, Close Encounters was very much a generational statement. Roy's faith in the extraterrestrials inspires him to drop out, grow a beard, and rebel against an official culture of lies. His female counterpart, Jillian Melinda Dillon, is already something of a hippie, a solitary artist living alone with her young son on an isolated farm. So that that is there. Mm-hmm. And I also think, I think there was a view of UFOs that fit in with that and with this movie. Mm-hmm. There was a book that came out in 1968 called Chariots of the Gods, which was, it was bullshit, but it was pseudo-academic research, quote unquote, sort of hypothesizing that aliens had visited ancient civilizations and helped humankind developed and taught us everything we need to know and built the pyramids and built Stonehenge and Easter Island and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that basically all religions were actually based on human encounters with extraterrestrial life, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the the angels and all of that. And this book sold like 70 million copies. It was on the New York Times bestseller list and people got really into this idea. And I think that's sort of kind of where this movie is coming out of too. So maybe you can see Roy not so much as a trash-ass man, Mm -hmm. but as this kind of New Age Moses figure. No. A prophet of this new religion. No. He is selfish and a bad (laughs) husband and a bad father. Okay. So one of the interesting things about the film, and again, like this is not... Who the fuck am I to even be talking about a Spielberg film, right? Um, no, Spielberg has made some shit. We're not... No, Spielberg I mean, is I not a sacred Spielberg, relic. But I do think he, he does something interesting with, like, bringing the extraordinary to ordinary places. So, like, this is happening in Muncie, Indiana. And the great sort of encounter is happening in Wyoming. Right. And so what does it mean to be a man married with the three kids in the house and the house is a mess and the TV's on and it's loud and you're you're an electrician and think probably thinking that like you missed something at some point like you were supposed to be great or something great was supposed to happen and it just never happened Mm -hmm. and then you have this great moment and so then you have this encounter that sort of changes your life and sort of reignites the belief in a possibility that there is something greater than yourself or something that is calling you to be greater right um that you yourself are special that you yourself are special chosen. chosen exactly And so in that moment, you have the choice of, like, do you go back to your life, your ordinary life, or do you sort of pursue (laughs) this greatness, right? And it's like, well, 
I think what's interesting is that when we compare Dreyfus's journey with the journey of, what's her name? Jillian. Jillian. At the end of the day, she stays because she has a fucking kid to raise. Right. Yeah. She's like, no, I'm not going to go on the ship because I'm just here to get my son. Because she really right. wasn't interested in engaging with it. Like, the whole time she was just fighting to keep her son. Her engagement with the, right. the aliens was about trying to protect her son from being taken. He's then eventually taken. And so she's on this journey to find her son. Dreyfus is on this journey to be somebody. Yeah. At the end of the movie, she gets her family back. Right. And goes And home. says, I'm going home. I got my kid. And he's like, okay, he I'm going to go on this ship. He has completely forgotten <laughs> yeah. his family existed. No phone point. call that we see. No nothing. He just gets on a fucking spaceship. He and even tries to make out with Jillian. Yes. At the end of the movie. Because yes. he's like forgotten he has a wife or anything too. That's all just gone. So it's, you know, it is this sort of reinforcement of, of these sort of patriarchal ideas of like roles in the family. Like the mother would never leave her children. Mm-hmm. The father is always the only one that can really leave. Right. Um, and he is able to leave with what seems like no real internal struggle or <laughs> no, I, argument. He doesn't even so, think about it. So. Okay, but see, again, we're getting too far ahead here. So okay. let's let's back up to what his actual family life is. Because I'm not sure I blame him. It's pretty crappy. You had those fucking kids and you married her. So that was what you <laughs> those chose. Those kids are obnoxious. And you raised them. So those you raised kids obnoxious shitty. kids. And they're loud because they're, what the fuck are they going to do? I mean, I... I do think, and this is a this is something I feel like Spielberg lost mm-hmm. after he became more successful. But if I think if you look at movies like Jaws and Close Encounters, I think they have a certain real life authenticity. Mm-hmm. Like those domestic scenes of Roy and his family, that's real. Feels very real. Mm-hmm. Those kids feel real. That house, just cluttered house, feels very real. Mm-hmm. You know the kids. Got a doll. He's beating, basically beating the doll to death against the side of the crib. It's like all of that feels very genuine and very genuinely like something I might be willing to fly away from. Here's how you do You can get a divorce <laughs> and set up visitation so that you could at least still be in your child's life, your children's lives. Roy, what is all this stuff on my table? I mean, you can have that table. Oh, I don't want this stuff on my breakfast table. This can cause tetanus. What is this? Hey, you know who's playing in town? Pinocchio. I don't want it on my kids have never seen Pinocchio. You guys have never seen Pinocchio. You're in luck. Aw, leave this. Who wants to go to the dumb cartoon rated G for kids? How old are you? Eight. You want to be nine? Yeah. And you're going to see Pinocchio tomorrow night. Roy, that is a wonderful way to win over your children. I'm not serious. I'm just saying that I grew up with Pinocchio. And if kids are still kids, they're going to eat it up. Okay. Okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I'm wrong, Roy. All right? Toby, you are close to death. Come out of here. Okay. Now. I'm going to give you your choice. I'm not going to be biased in any way. Tomorrow night, you can either play goofy golf, which means a lot of waiting and shoving and pushing and probably getting a zero, or you can see Pinocchio, which is a lot of furry animals and magic, and you'll have a wonderful time. Okay? Now let's vote. Golf! 
You don't get on a spaceship. He can't even get his kids to go see Pinocchio. Those kids all they want to do is play goofy golf. Again, you had those babies <laughs> and you raised them. So if they're assholes, they're assholes because you raised assholes. Could be could be mom's fault. No, mom was the only one trying to keep that house together, <laughs> and she lived with a dreamer. And the problem with living with dreamers is that they are not always the best with responsibility. Well, we don't we don't know that he was a dreamer before that. He was very into Pinocchio. You're a grown ass man. You're very into Pinocchio. <laughs> <laughs> when you wish upon a star. Exactly. So that, I feel like, tells us right there who Which he plays was. plays at the end of the movie as mm-hmm. he's getting on the spaceship. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he's got this home life, but he works for the, what does he work for? The power company? Yeah, he's an electrician or something. So there's a power outage. Mm-hmm. He goes out to check out the power outage, and this is where he has his first encounter mm-hmm. with the aliens. Mm-hmm. Sees some ships <laughs> flying overhead. I actually really like that scene. I think it's, I like where he he's stopped in the middle of the road, and he's looking at his map to try to figure out where he's going and a car comes up the lights of a car come up behind him and he just waves it like go around Mm -hmm. me and the car goes around him and then more lights come up behind him and he does the same thing and this time the lights go straight up (laughs) and go around him which is a nice shot and he's oblivious to it all yeah But yeah, he gets really into it really fast. Mm -hmm. And that's that thing where you say it's like, oh my God, something special has happened for the first time in my life. He chases after it, driving like a maniac. Almost hits a child in the road. And that's right. This is where he meets Jillian Mm -hmm. and Barry, the Mm -hmm. toddler. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Because he almost runs Barry over because Barry's standing in the middle of the road. This was all apparently partially based on, uh, in Michigan in 1966, there was a series of UFO sightings (laughs) with, you know, multiple people reporting having seen lights flying over this certain part of Michigan. Mm -hmm. The guy from Project Blue Book, which was the government program designed to investigate ufos came out and eventually reported that what people had seen was swamp gas yes which nobody believed swamp gas (laughs) one of the stories i read said that the guy had said that he had no explanation for this and then he got a phone call from washington and then he came back from the phone call mumbling and it was like it's it's swamp gas (laughs) like he had just been told to tell people it was swamp gas so yeah i think that was the inspiration for this Mm mm-hmm But yeah, we see a lot of people out there that are very excited that these aliens are coming. And they're all camped out on that hillside, welcoming the aliens. Asking them to be nice. Yes. I think we we also see in a lot of these scenes, I think we see little tidbits of later Spielberg stuff, too. (laughs) The first time the aliens kind of come hang out at Jillian's house, we get some E.T. there, Mm -hmm. where something has apparently come through the cat door and raided the refrigerator. And just made a mess of everything. And made a mess Mm -hmm. and everything. That's all very E.T. But we also get some poltergeist in there. Yes. Like, the toys start going crazy and moving about on their own. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is where... I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about here, but but one of the things I want to talk about is, are we sure these aliens are friendly? We have no reason up to this point to think so. Particularly the way that Spielberg shoots it and scores it, there's every reason to think that they would be sort of a threatening presence. Because some of those scenes are actually... Really scary. Really scary. Yeah. The second time that they come to Jillian's little farmhouse, they're like blasting red beam lights (laughs) into her home and the whole house is shaking and they're trying every sort of way... And she's like trying to lock all the doors and everything to keep them out the aliens are magically unscrewing Unscrewing the screws and the air vents like they want in they're coming in so they it's actually very and so to the point where she and Barry are sort of crouched in the kitchen and she's crying and he's of course just elated at everything that's (laughs) happening (laughs) 
Uh, and then he gets sort of sucked out the doggy door <laughs> by the aliens. It does seem to be like, oh, well, these maybe are not nice aliens. Like, that there's perhaps something, like, malicious, you know, going <laughs> right. on. So, no, there's no reason to think that they are friendly E.T. aliens <laughs> at this point. All right, so back to Roy. So Roy is all in on this alien mm-hmm. stuff. To the point where he gets fired. Yes, he loses his job. Pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, as one of these people said, yeah, starts growing his beard and just getting more disheveled as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. And as you said, slowly going crazy. Yes, he descends basically. into madness for the most part. <laughs> in full view and of the children. And Terry puts up with it for a little while. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that scene where he drags the whole family out on the hillside. And she's like, don't you think I'm taking this really well? <laughs> Roy, what did it look like? It was like an ice cream cone. What flavor? Orange. It was orange. And it wasn't like an ice cream cone. It was It was more like a shell, you know? It was like this. Like a taco? Was it like a was it like one of those Sarahly um moon-shaped cookies, those those crescent cookies? Don't you think I'm taking this really well? I remember when we used to come to places like this just to look at each other. It's like four o'clock in the like morning. I'm humoring you. Yeah. You've got us all out here at four o'clock in the morning. Don't you think I'm handling this really well? No, but I mean that scene at the dinner table where he's sculpting the mashed potatoes. Yeah. And there's this was, a, that's why this was our Thanksgiving Day episode. Yes, this because was, of the mashed potatoes. <laughs> because of the mashed potatoes. Uh, so he's doing that and then just breaks down crying and admits he's like I think everybody sees that I'm losing my fucking mind (laughs) well I guess you've noticed something that's a little strange with dad it's okay though I'm still dad and it's a great shot because you see Dreyfus sort of breaking down over his pile of mashed potatoes, but then you also see his son. That's the deadly shot. Watching his father, and you just in that moment you just know that the boy's like, "What the fuck <laughs> that kid is, is happening?" Just sitting there staring at him, crying. And it's just it's a Daddy little bit heartbreaking it's because really he's sad. watching his father lose his mind and is afraid <laughs> and doesn't understand what's happening. And then a little later in the film, Dreyfus is sort of further falling down the tunnel and he is sitting fully clothed in the bathtub with the shower running <laughs> and, his, and Terry Gar goes in there to try to be like dude we gotta go do some family therapy yeah. which good on her because I would have been like you need to get the fuck out of my house <laughs> and trying to like get him to a, an okay place and again the same so the older son comes in and crying and just looking at his father with just disgust and fear and it's just like cry baby cry baby stop crying you cry baby and it's just like that kid's gonna be fucked up for life what it is is family therapy we i mean we all go we we all talk we no one is singled out and maybe it's not your fault anyway oh it's waterproof it still works It's just like that's it stops being cute at that point. Like 
you're chasing aliens and you're you are literally scarring your son. <laughs> I just no. That it's so it's so painful. It's so terrible. <laughs> and he actually he makes an effort to come back from that. Sure. At one point he's like he's throwing out all his UFO stuff. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, everything's gonna be back to normal. I'm totally fine. This is all over with. Mm-hmm. Everything's okay. And then he's dismantling this model of this mountain that he's made on the table. Right. And he's trying to pull it off and he pulls the top of it off. And suddenly then he's got the image. Right. He's got the Devil's Tower. That he's been to. That he's been seeing. Envisioning. Though he doesn't know at that point that it's Devil's Tower. Right. He just knows that this is sort of the shape that's sort of yeah. been in his mind since his encounter. So then he goes... Lose his fucking more mind. More crazy. <laughs> he starts throwing dirt and bricks <laughs> and greenery through the kitchen window. He doesn't even, like, take it into the home. Just, he just throws it through the kitchen it's window. So, it's so unnecessary. First of all, I don't know why you need to build one at 20 times the scale. It has, to be, scale. Scale. It has that, to be the scale. But it's still not... I mean... <laughs> It's so weird. It's still only 12 feet tall. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I don't see why, what the point of that is. I don't see why you have to build it indoors. That's my next question. You could have just built it outdoors. Mm-hmm. But no, he's got to build this thing in his living room. So he's digging up his yard and the neighbor's yard and everything to just throw all this shit through the kitchen window. Yes, he is defiling his family home <laughs> to build a model. of. Now, to be fair, he tries to make it a family project. He tries to enlist the kids to help. This is, you know, Sunday fun day with dad. Except it's not. That's like inviting your kids to cook ho- cocaine. It's like, this is dad's project. Come hold this spoon. That's not okay. It's inappropriate. Don't invite your kids to your crazy. Terry Gar does the appropriate thing and puts those kids in the fucking car. He says, I'm going to my sister's. And drives off. Peace. And I think we never see any of them no, again. No, we never we? hear or see. No, actually, there's a phone call at one point yeah, where he is right. begging He's- her to sort of come back and talk to him. And then that's the moment when the news report is showing... Devil's, Devil's Tower. Tower. And right. so he realizes what he's been creating and then says, oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm going to go to Wyoming. And that's it. That's and it that's for it. his family. That's all for the family. He never sees his family no. again. No. <laughs> you know, is it really his fault? Yes. How so? He made a choice. All of those things were well, choices. No, he had this, you can these let instructions go. No. uploaded into his brain Mm-mm. by aliens. Mm-mm. This compulsion. This Mm-mm. obsessive compulsion fine let's say that everything he does up to getting to wyoming is totally within bounds which it is not he then gets on a fucking spaceship so what he could have done gone to wyoming like okay i see what's happening i i am now satisfied i understand what's happening i know now i know it's all now i know i know i'm not crazy i have children and a wife (laughs) really obnoxious children that again, you raise them. So we'll call him a crybaby. Because he is. <laughs> so this is not someone suffering from PTSD from the war. Like, no, he's you're a crybaby bitch and you need to get your shit together. That's way harsh. Ty. So fine. Go to Wyoming. Okay. Maybe we can come back from that. You got on a spaceship, dude. Now to be fair, we have seen that he is not the only person no. doing this. Sure. I mean Jillian has been drawing the same shape yes. that he has been. But again, her goal sculpting. was to get her son back. Her goal was but not But I think she's drawing it even before she, No, she absolutely is. Barry is taken. She absolutely is, but I don't know that she would have gone had Barry never been taken. Um I don't think so. 
She's up on the second night. She's up on the hillside she with is. Barry waiting for the aliens. But I don't think, I think what drives her to that point is that they've taken her son and she needs to get her son back. Yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Actually, yes. I agree with that. Okay, so yeah, so then, then we're off to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And yes, the army has faked this nerve gas thing to evacuate the area mm-hmm. uh, because... They've been sent coordinates, right? Right. By the aliens. The tones that we have been hearing throughout the film, they discover are latitude and longitude coordinates, which for some reason end up in Wyoming. So here's the thing with that. Okay. So running parallel to the story of Dreyfus is the story of Foucault. Is it? What's his name? No. Um, <laughs> the fuck did I get Foucault from? Um, Truffaut. Truffaut. The, yes. yes. This is Francois Truffaut, the director. Mm-hmm. Who had acted in his own movies. This, I think this was the first time he had acted in someone else's movie. Okay. And apparently Spielberg just knew him and got, brought him in. And, I mean, why not? It's Truffaut. Sure. So we've been watching Truffaut, who is some sort of researcher yeah. type dude working in partnership sort of with the government mm-hmm. to explore these sort of strange sightings that have been happening all over the globe. Right. He and Bob Balaban are running all over the globe mm-hmm. investigating these occurrences. So in the Sonara Desert, there were a number of planes that had been reported missing since like 1945. And all of a sudden they were just in the middle of the desert mm-hmm. in perfect condition. There was a ship dropped in the middle of the Gobi Desert. Mm-hmm. And then in northern India, vast populations of people were basically chanting the tones that sort of become... Right. I like that scene. But so here's the interesting thing. So there were all of these sort of moments and encounters, well, not encounters because the aliens weren't there, but these sort of of breadcrumbs dropped across the world, largely in... Non-white countries. Non-white countries. Mm -hmm. But the actual encounter then takes place in fucking Wyoming. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. Like It was just interesting to me... It's a fair question. ...that you now have the sort of white explorer coming into these brown spaces to sort of exploit these moments and sort of pillage these moments from the indigenous populations. But anyway, so yeah, the fact that we end up in like Wyoming, I thought was a little bit odd. Like why couldn't that have happened in Northern India or the Gobi Desert? Or like that would have been beautiful in the Gobi Desert, quite frankly. Probably wouldn't have had to fake a nerve gas Probably would not have had to fake a nerve gas A lot of open spaces there. Yes. But I guess the aliens chose it. Sure, because they (laughs) wanted to deal with America. Americans? <laughs> sure. But yeah, so we get to Wyoming. With a whole bunch of other people from around the country. Yes, there are a whole bunch of other people from around the country, but most of whom, again, seem to be on the right side of sanity in comparison to Roy, <laughs> because they eventually listen to the military when they're like, okay, you got to get on this chopper and get the hell up out of here. Like, they're not sane, they're gullible. They're sheep. Or sane. No, and no. So, like, oh no, it's a nerve leak, and they all put on their gas masks mm-hmm. and... You're happy to be escorted out of the area yeah. after coming all this way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we get to, we finally get to sort of the A story of the film, <laughs> which is this magical encounter uh, with the aliens. And we have the sort of battle of the band scene that is very popular. <laughs> you know, the government plays the tones and then the aliens repeat the tones back and forth. And it, it is actually quite beautiful set against the, the Devil's Tower.
there is fearful, but more amazed and enraptured by the experience mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah, nobody seems terribly afraid. No. I don't think the army is even. We don't see guns or anything. Or no, anything, we don't see right? any sort They're of weapons. They're not prepared no. for Mm-mm. any sort of attack. In, an invasion no. <laughs> or anything. Which, again, which is. Maybe they should unlikely. have been. Unlikely that that would be the case. But. So, yes. Yeah, which would be the case? That the military would just be standing by without having. Yeah, no, I, to- I totally didn't buy for that. For some sort like of. Like, they would have <laughs> at least been ready for yeah. some shit. Yeah. Yeah. But it does make it, it is quite a little magical moment of just pure wonderment and the sort of payoff of human curiosity and ingenuity. And it is an amazing scene. It, it really is. It's absolutely gorgeous. And as you said earlier, the effects are great. Yeah. Did you like the the music? You, I'm sure that scene you've probably seen. Yes, I have seen that. Yes. or seen clips. From. I mean, it wasn't really. Mu- I mean, it's music. It's tones. Like the tones were fine. But I mean, yeah, it's it's a cool moment in the film. Mm-hmm. I like where they play it, and then when the mothership first answers, it's really deep. It's these like huge bass yeah. tones that like blow the windows out. <laughs> like, oh, we gotta. You know, someone in the ship is like, oh no, turn that down. <laughs> They're not ready for that. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's a very cool scene. Now, what they're actually saying to each other is... No idea. I'm not sure. And they have no idea. I don't think they do either. At one point, the American, or the humans, I guess we call them, the guy says something like, we're taking over this conversation Mm -hmm. right now. Yeah. And starts playing the music. And I don't... You don't know what you're doing. I don't think they did know what they were doing. No. (laughs) It's just a jam session. Yes. But it works. Sure. I guess. Whatever it is they've said. Because then the doors open. And out come... On the ship. Dozens, if not hundreds of people that have been on the ship for various periods of time. For like 30 years. Yeah, there are a couple. Without aging. World War II soldiers. Um, Barry comes out. Um, yes, Barry does finally come out and Jillian is reunited with him. So then... We come back to the cynical part of me that's like, what the fuck are these people going to do now? Well, I watched that scene and I was like, oh, that's kind of a more interesting story. Yes. Like, they have some stories to tell. Mm-hmm. Because the the amount of information we actually get about the aliens yeah. is almost nothing. Yeah. And there was a special edition of this movie that... Spielberg, I think at the encouragement of the studio, and I think it was partially because the studio said, if you add this on, we can justify re-releasing this movie and people will go see it, (laughs) where it went inside the spaceship Mm -hmm. at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure I've seen that, and I'm pretty sure it was not impressive. Like it was it Yeah, I don't know that there would be any payoff to that. Like I don't know what you could possibly show that would match what we would imagine. Right. So I actually people didn't like it. Yeah. The cut we watched is actually a later cut because Spielberg eventually decided he didn't like that either. No, no. So no, from a from just a cinematic point of view, no. You absolutely should not show the inside of the ship. We should not ever hear from anybody that just came off the ship because it really is all about the unknown and being able to sort of touch and experience the unknown and like taking that leap, Mm. not knowing anything. The reality side of me is, <laughs> why would you put more people on that ship without first talking to the people that just got off right, that fucking ship? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just... Like, so, you could just ask those right, guys... Like, hey, what happened up there? What What was that I like? I mean, they're all fine. They seem to be healthy and intact. Nobody's, and not... They're not running screaming. No, the like ship. they've been, like, like probed God, for I'm decades home. or something like that. No. But, you know, maybe you want to ask a couple questions before you get on the ship. <laughs> How much probing yeah. would you say there is How involved? How is it up there? 
so yeah, that's, I mean, so that's the other part of me is just like, okay, there are people who've been on this ship now for over 40 years and now they're going to go, what, get a job, work, sure, find their families. Mm-hmm. How's that going to go? But yeah, so Barry. We know where their planes are. We, we do know them, where their planes, their planes are. Back. And then the aliens come. How did you feel about seeing the aliens? Do you think we should have seen the mm, aliens? They actually weren't bad. Okay. They were E.T.-ish, slightly more minimalistic and... They're that pretty standard yeah. sort of gray man. Yeah, big alien. head, skinny body yeah. thing. They were cute, though. I, I read that apparently at one point Spielberg, because Spielberg wanted them to look weird and move weirdly, and apparently one of the... And again, grain of salt, you read these things, whether mm-hmm. they're true, I have no idea. Don't really care. <laughs> Uh, but apparently at one point an experiment was tried with putting gray spandex on an orangutan mm. and then putting the orangutan in roller skates. I feel like that's fucked up for the orangutan. That went about as well as you would imagine it would go. Yeah. That so, monkey's going to find a switchblade in the garbage can and kill you. <laughs> Call back to our episode <laughs> on Phenomena. <laughs> Uh, but eventually, yeah, they just went with some chul- yeah, no, children in let's not children in costumes. Yeah. Be cruel to animals if we don't have to. <laughs> but they all just they all just sort of come out and mill about for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that there's a certain amount of shock, <laughs> except for Barry, who's just perfectly fine and is like happy to see his mom, but would probably also be happy to go back on the ship. It didn't matter. Well, he's three. They don't yeah. really have brains at that point, do well, they? Well, <laughs> except that you do. So yes, yeah, so he's reunited with his mom, and that's lovely. And then Dreyfus is like, I want to get on the ship. <laughs> I have no qualifications. There's obviously a team that you've been training for a while now to get on the ship. I'm going to go ahead and jump to the front of the line here and get on the ship. And, but apparently it is. There's all these, like, 12 who are obviously, like, trained yes. astronauts They're or packed. Something They're in, in uniforms. In these orange jumpsuits. Whole thing. And then there's Dreyfus, unshaven, <laughs> looking quite I'm gonna I'm going to go ahead and, and get on the ship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they basically do a quick, like, do you have any diseases we should know about before you get on the ship? No, I'm fine. All right. <laughs> They don't ask him if he has any family. No, because he behaves as a person who does not have <laughs> a family. And then there's a moment where the aliens actually come and, like, grab his hand and sort of surround him and walk him onto the ship. And So it's it's that scene, watching it this time, it was unclear to me. Mm-hmm. Is he the only one they take? That's what it seems like. That's what I thought, too. Because he's lined up with the rest of the train people, and the aliens sort of walk down the line, and they're like, nope, 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 nope. And then they get to Dreyfus, <laughs> and like, this is the guy. Come with us. This is the guy we want, and they take him <laughs> on the ship. So this guy is your representative mm-hmm. to the universe. Not not my representative, your representative, not my <laughs> no, representative. He's, he's, you know, been chosen, selected to represent mm-hmm. the human race no. to the aliens. Yeah, no, not at all. You're not comfortable with that? I am not comfortable with that. No, I don't want Dreyfus to represent me in shit. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming from everything you've said that you would not have gone. No, not if I had a wife and children, no. What if you didn't have a wife and children, would you go? Because I have mixed feelings about it. Okay. On the one hand, I think, how could you not go? Given mm-hmm. that opportunity, how could you not? How are you going to sit the rest of your life in Muncie, Indiana, <laughs> and feel like I could have had the adventure could have been a contender. of a lifetime? Mm-hmm. And apparently lived forever, because sure. these guys don't even age. They on don't age, ship. yeah. I think that would be hard to live with. On the other hand, as we discussed, I have no confidence this is going to be a good experience. No. I don't think we have as much reason to trust these people <laughs> as the movie wants us to think. No. Because even if they're not evil, I mean, 
Like, well, it's just is like, the food going to be good? Well, like, there's just there's just it's too also many like unknowns. The why, like, why are they taking people? Right. To do what? To learn what? To understand what? Um, so I think that's part of it. And I thought there's one that comes. There's one alien that comes out and goes over and talks to Truffaut. Mm-hmm. They do the hand signal thing. They do the hands. They do 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 do. Mm-hmm. I thought. And I couldn't, I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I thought that one was going to stay with us. I thought it was like an exchange mm, program. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to take one of yours. Mm-hmm. We're going to leave you one of ours and, you know, get to know No, because they're smarter and they know that that would not end well. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Mm-mm. He comes out. He, there's no exchange. There's no real conversation except for the hand signals. Mm-hmm. Um, the government seems curiously incurious yeah. about studying these things about studying their technology there's none of that that we we know would be there yes. if this happened in real life mm-hmm. it would be all dissections and you know capture that ship we want to study it but no the guy just kind of, the little dude just comes out and is like hey how you doing okay getting back on the ship now taking this dude with us yeah. and they fly off and that's it that's the end of the entire encounter yes what did we get out of that uh, a moment of beauty and amazement, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it reminded me of the story that Professor Derek Bell wrote called The Space Traders. Mm-hmm. And it is all about aliens come to America and they say, we have gold and we have technology that will sort of purify your waters and eradicate all of the sort of environmental damage that has been done to your country. We have nuclear power that could restore what's been sort of depleted by your sort of reliance on fossil fuels and all this. Like, so we have all of this sort of wealth <laughs> and power to, because at this point, America had sort of become akin to like a developing country. Like we just totally depleted. And all we ask in return is that you give us all your black people. <laughs> um, <laughs> never saying why they want the black people, what they're going to do with the black people. It's like, here's the deal. You have 16 days. If you give us your black people, we'll give you all of this stuff and you'll be... Did it be... take them 16 days? It actually did. Okay. Of like back and forth. But eventually they decided on, like they instituted like a draft basically. So you had to go. And there are armed guards making sure all the black people get on the ship and they capture black people that have tried to like escape through the Canadian border and they're literally chained up. And the alien have them basically stripped down completely except for their underwear and they all get on the ship and at the start of it when it's when the aliens first come and announce what they want white people are like oh this could be good and black people are too mistrusting and maybe this is a great thing and black people are like uh no the fuck we don't want to do this like what is happening and then the president gets all of this mail from Americans across the country that are basically saying, we absolutely have to do this. You need to do it. Blah, blah, blah. And so there's back and forth. At the end of the day, they end up giving up all the black people. So it's like we talked a little bit about this at the at the top of the episode, this idea of like, do we think aliens would be benevolent or evil? Mm-hmm. And then there's a question of like, why would they even come here? And I have the feeling like, what the fuck would they even want here? Because we don't really have shit. Apparently we have black people. Wait, so, uh, I'm sorry. Is there, is there no discussion with the aliens about why they want No, we never know. We never learn why they wanted the black people. That's and we never learn what happens to them? No. After, okay. No, it ends with the black people getting on the ship. Okay. Because a good ending to that story is all the black people get on the ship, the ship takes off, and then blows up the earth. That would be a different ending. <laughs> would be a different ending. And then it's like they rescued all the black people <laughs> and blew everybody else up. But it's this way of like... 
toying with this idea of like how do we solve the quote unquote Negro problem right and some people actually make that argument of like oh the black people should definitely go because how do you know you aren't actually going to be going to this like land of milk and honey and it's going to be <laughs> right. so much better for you and you won't have to rely on welfare etc cetera, etc cetera. and again the black people the whole time are like mm, I don't know what the fuck like we don't know where we're going we don't know what's going on but this idea of like it's hard for me to envision a good, pure interaction. Yeah. I mean, I think I think this movie is as close as we can get yes. to that. And it leaves a lot of questions yes. unanswered. That's my problem with it mm-hmm. in the end. And I do think it's, for what it is, it's great. It's, yes. No, it's absolutely. It does provide that sense of wonder. You would lose that sense of wonder if you explained any more than mm-hmm. what is there. But like you said, the logical, cynical mind looks at this and is like, hmm... There's there's a lot of X factors here yeah. that you conveniently left out to achieve this sweet, innocent encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think we're just too cynical. For movies? I think so. For anything? I think so. That's possible. With this, I mean, I, I, like the fault in this film for me is you made me spend two hours? A little, little over two. Well, no, because I'm not counting the part where they actually, we finally get to Devil's Tower and we have the Mm -hmm. engagement with the aliens. So about two hours of just watching a man be a trash ass man. (laughs) That's, that's what you had me do. Now, I will tell you in fairness, Spielberg agrees with you. Uh He has said, when I made that movie, I didn't have kids. I wasn't married. Mm. I didn't have kids. I would never make that movie today. I think he sort of can't believe that Dreyfus gets on that ship at the end either. Yeah. But. No. I mean, again. No. He didn't write a note. <laughs> he didn't do shit. He, he'll, send a, he'll send a card. From where? He'll send a check. No, he doesn't know that he can actually do that. <laughs> he's going to send A check of what? He got a job. Child. He lost his damn job. <laughs> he's going to send child support. No, he's space. not, though. He's actually not. <laughs> so, fuck you. <laughs> Those kids are going to grow up traumatized. <laughs> Terry Gar is going to have to be a single mother raising three damn kids by herself. To be now, those kids are going to have the best child abandonment story, though, when they're talking That's to their not... friends. Like, where's your dad? It's like, oh, my dad ran off to Vegas. Okay. With, you know, his secretary. Where's your dad? My dad's in space. It's all the same therapy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We're not playing oppression Olympics here. Like, it's just, <laughs> nope. All right. Anything else to say about close encounters? Justice for Terry Gar. Justice for Terry. seriously justice for kids she's so good in everything she's in she's really good and she she does always sort of play these thankless parts the slightly shrill Mm -hmm. wife or dustin hoffman in tootsie it's michael keaton in mr mom Mm -hmm. you've seen that one i have seen that one vacuum yes (laughs) she was too good for these men she really was That's our show. We want to thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next week. Nakia, we are actually running a little late with what was supposed to be our Thanksgiving episode. Mm-hmm. So we are actually into December. And you know what that means here at The Unenthusiastic Critic. Do I? You should, if you've been paying attention. I don't remember anything we do here ever. <laughs> you just block it all as out. As soon as we hit that. If I I'm... ask you about this movie tomorrow, you're going to have nope. no memory of ever watching no. it. Actually, I will remember the poor son <laughs> who had to watch his father descend into the abyss. In December, uh-huh. we like to watch Christmas-adjacent movies. Is that what we like? That's what we like. Okay. These are movies that take place during the Christmas season, but otherwise have bugger all to do with the actual holiday. Okay. Last year, you may or may not remember, we watched such tangential holiday classics as Die Hard, mm-hmm. Brazil... 
And I barely remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And Gremlins. Oh, God. The fucking chimney. <laughs> Terrible film. This year, we are starting off with one of the great American comedies, Billy Wilder's The Apartment from 1960. Okay. In the meantime, you can find us on the web at unaffiliatedcritic.com, follow us on Twitter at Free Range Critic, and subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts or your favorite app. In any of these places, we encourage you to leave a comment on the show or suggest a film Nakia desperately needs to see to make her life complete. Until next time, remember, true love means conning your partner into watching movies they really, really don't want to watch. Oh, we didn't talk about alien abductions. Okay. I had not known this. Apparently the first widely reported alien abduction story, Mm -hmm. which sort of set off a a fad of alien abduction stories. In 1961, Betty and Barney Hill reported being abducted. They were an interracial couple, Mm. interestingly, that the aliens picked up. Okay. Uh, In the TV movie from 1975, they were played by James Earl Jones and Estelle Parsons. Okay. Which is Roseanne's mom. Okay. <laughs> and they were abducted. Well, so they were driving late at night. Mm-hmm. They, I think, saw some lights and pulled over and then blacked out and woke up two hours later back on the road. And then apparently hypnosis revealed that they'd been taken up in a spaceship. And that's actually the source of the gray alien archetype was from that's how they described the aliens mm-hmm. there. So totally plausible. Not or at all likely that they were, that they drugged were tired or beat and pulled up over and fell asleep at the side of the road. By racists. And <laughs> oh, I hadn't even yeah, gone there. Like, I just thought maybe they no, fell asleep. That's some bullshit. Woke up two hours later <laughs> and decided that the missing time nope. was being abducted by aliens. No, that was, no, that was something nefarious happening there. <laughs> How do you think we would do? With? Being abducted by aliens. I don't think they would take me. They'd, like, give you back yeah, they'd like, you know two, what? after Just, 20 minutes. She's seen too much. She, she brought us down. It's like one of those where you have to catch people at the right time, where they're still... She's just a downer, man. Capable of back. joy and capable of, like, you know, belief. And I'm just, I'm not... Like Richard Dreyfus. Sure. Let's say that's what's happening there. Okay. So, no, I don't think I would be a good candidate for abduction. Do you feel like you'd be a good ambassador for the planet Earth? I would tell them not to come here. Like, why? Like, <laughs> there's nothing. Why? Why would you? There are so many more interesting places. Why would you come here? We do not have a good track record with aliens or immigrants or any. Like, just don't. Don't do it. Save yourself the trouble. Fair enough. Unless you truly are coming to take the black people to a land of milk and honey, in which case I'm all about that. Sure. That's great. <laughs>